Thank you for directing your internet connection to this sermon audio page for Christ Orthodox Presbyterian Church. You can learn more about Christ OPC by visiting our website at www.christopcatl.org. Christ OPC meets for worship each Sunday at 11 a.m. and 5.30 p.m. I would like to invite you all to turn your Bibles to Isaiah 54. Isaiah 54. I'm going to read uh, beginning from verse 1 to 5 to give us the whole picture of what we are going to consider uh, together tonight. My, but my focus will be uh, verses 1 to 3. Isaiah 54, 1 to 5. The word of God for God's people. Sing, O barren one who did not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud. You who have not been in labor, for the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of her who is married, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. And let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back, lengthen your cords, and strengthen your stakes. For you will spread spread abroad to the right and to the left. And your offspring will possess the nations. And will people the desolate cities. Fear not, for you will not be ashamed. Be not Confounded, for you will not be disgraced. For you will forget the shame of your youth and the reproach of your widowhood. You will remember no more. For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And the Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. The God of the whole earth, he is called. Amen. Let's pray. A gracious and heavenly Father, as we now come before you and before your holy and infallible and life-giving word, we ask you, Lord, to grant us your Holy Spirit so that we too, like your servant Samuel, will say to you, Lord, speak to us. Your servants are listening. In the name of Christ our Savior we pray. Amen. In one of my readings on Isaiah 53, I learned that in that chapter, the prophet Isaiah, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, put us beneath the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. For us to look and marvel at the greatness and the excellence of our salvation. For us to behold and take our time to see and observe and admire God's great act of love in sending his own begotten son our Lord Jesus Christ, to die as substitutionary death. 
Jesus dying on the cross to be despised, to be rejected, and to bore all our sins on himself and reconcile us with his Father through his blood, the shedding of blood on the cross. You remember the Apostle John in 1 John 3, 1, he speaks about this, this love and the way he describes this love to all of us is, Behold, what kind of love the Father has given to us that, that we should be called children of God, so we are. So you see, beloved, Isaiah in Isaiah 53 brings you and, and he puts you beneath the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ to behold the, the wonder of God's love for you. And then you come to Isaiah 54. Then Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, calls for a response to that amazing act of love that he shows you in Isaiah 53. In Isaiah 54, Isaiah the prophet says to God's people, now, you, now seeing the love of God being manifested to you through the suffering and the death and the resurrection of the Son of God, now respond to God's love. But how do you respond to God's love? Verse 1, sing, O barren one, who did not bear, break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not been in labor, for the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of her who is married, says the Lord. The response that Isaiah calls from God's people is um, a joyful worship, a joyful praise to the God of heaven who redeems his people through the death of his own begotten son, Jesus Christ. Praise to the God who is just, but who justifies the unjust. Not because of anything that the, uh, the unjust has done, but because of everything that his righteous son has done on their behalf. Respond to the wonder of your redemption in a joyful, cheerful praise. I know some of you are familiar with this hymn, Beneath the Cross by Elizabeth uh, Cliffane. In the second stanza, the writer says, Upon the cross of Jesus, mine eye at times can see the very dying from one who suffered there for me. And from my stricken heart, with tears, two wonders I confess, the wonders of redeeming love and my unworthiness. Two wonders I see at the cross. Two wonders I confess after seeing what happened in Isaiah 53. 
God's redeeming love and my unworthiness. That's why you see the cross calls for a response of praise and worship. And by God's grace, I, I want us to consider this under three simple points uh, tonight. The first one is uh, the call to response in verse 1. And then the reason for the response, you will find it in uh, part of verse 1. And then thirdly, to in the, the enlarged tent in verse 2 and 3. And this is as a result of the, the praise and the, the joyful worship and response to God's redeeming love. So first the call to response. In verse 1, Isaiah calls God's people to sing, but to sing as a woman who has been barren, a woman who has been without children. And he calls the people of God as this barren woman who, who suddenly uh, bear fruit, bring forth children. And Isaiah says, sing, O barren one who did not bear, break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not been in labor, for the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of her who is married says the Lord. Now if you consider these words in verse 1, they are not words. They are not wor quiet words. They all are loud words, a call to response to what took place in Isaiah 53. The death of the Messiah. His humiliation, but then his exaltation through the power of resurrection. The representative of God's children, the sinless Lamb of God, dying a, vic a vicarious death on the cross. Satisfying the wrath of his Father upon sinners, upon you and myself. And the response here is worship. Beloved, the response to God's redeeming love is worship. What kind of worship? A joyful worship. This is the theme of the prophet Isaiah. For those of you who have studied the, prophet, the, the, you know, the book of Isaiah, Isaiah has gone throughout this quite often. For example, in chapter 12, verse 6, Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitants of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Shout for joy. Don't be silent. Shout for joy. Respond to God's redeeming love. In worship, Isaiah 14, 7, The whole earth is at rest. And quiet, they break forth into singing. Chapter 24, verse 14, they lift up their voices. They sing for joy over the majesty of the Lord. They shout from the west. You see, all these verses that I just read to all of you call for a response. A response 
to God's redeeming love. The wonders of God's redeeming love. Yes, when God's people see and experience the salvation, the redeeming love of God on the cross, the response should be praise and worship. When God does a wonderful thing for his people, his people are called to joyful praise. What should come to our mind is when our Lord Jesus Christ was evangelizing the Samaritan woman. Have you realized that Jesus never told the Samaritan woman, my father is seeking for converts. Jesus didn't say that to the Samaritan woman. Because converting sinners is in the hand of God. It's not something that we, we do it. It is something that God accomplishes in the life of each and every one of us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Through the preaching of the gospel. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. But what Jesus told the Samaritan woman was my father is seeking true worshipers. And what does that teach you? God's redeeming love produces true worshipers. God's redeeming love turns a rebellion, sin, a, rebe, a rebellion sinner into a worshiper of God. Someone who would worship God in his spirit and in truth. Someone who would worship God with a joyful heart. Someone who would break forth into singing and praise because of God's redeeming love in his life. To be converted means to become a worshiper of God. Think of your own conversion. Did your conversion brought you to a state of joyful worship? I ask you tonight, beloved, are you a joyful worshiper of God? When you open that hymn book, and you sing on, the, on God's redeeming love. Is there joy in your heart? Do you break forth into singing? Like a newborn baby. Those of you who have received a gift of children from God. You know, your wife gives birth to a newborn child. When the child cries, it's a sign of life. And we rejoice. The, the child is crying. But you say, he cried, he cried. That's a sign of life. And the moment a sinner is born again, the sign of the new life is singing. Joyful worship. I'm not talking about emotions here. I'm talking about a sinner who had who has who had been converted by the power of the Holy Spirit, opening his mouth, open her mouth, and singing for God's glory, rejoicing in his and her salvation. Psalm 51 12. You see, this comes in the life of the psalmist. After he experienced not only God's redeeming. 
love, but also God's forgiveness. God's mercy. He sinned against the Lord. And then he repented and the Lord pardoned his sin. And David said, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me with a willing spirit. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. In Galatians 5.22, Paul exhorts all believers, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Then what? Joy. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. You don't sing to, uh, to, to God's redeeming love with a sad face. With a heart that is hopeless. But you sing joyfully. Romans 5.11 More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received reconciliation. The fact that we have been reconciled with God through the death and the suffering and the resurrection of His Son, Jesus Christ, should cause us to sing and rejoice. We should be Unexpressive people. Sometimes you hear people saying, you know, my culture, where I come from, you know, we don't express. You know, we're not expressive people. You know, if you are converted, you'll express it. The Holy Spirit works in your heart. And you are turned into a joyful worshiper. Secondly, we come to the reason for the response. Why this kind of response? Listen to Isaiah. Sing, O barren one who did not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud. Now this is the reason. You who have not been in labor, for the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of her who is Married, says the Lord. So God comes to his people through Isaiah. At the time that they were saying, we have no hope. At the time that they were saying, all our children are gone. No one is with us. And um, we, we see that in, um, in the book of Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter 20, where the people said, Woe is me because of my hurt. My wound is grievous. But I say, Truly, this is an affliction and I must bear it. My tent is destroyed and all my Cords are broken. My children have gone from me, and they are not. There is no one to spread my tent again and to set up my curtains. You see, they felt the, uh, the, the, the anger of God upon them, the wrath of God upon them. And they were saying, there is no hope for us. And then Isaiah comes 
And he tells them, no, it's time to rejoice. You come to a barren woman without children, and you tell this woman, rejoice, you barren woman. In uh, Isaiah's time in Israel, barrenness was a sign of God's curse. Lack of God's blessing. But here Isaiah is telling Israel, those remnant in Israel, to rejoice. Why? Maybe they were saying, what? We don't even have children. You know, Judah is destroyed. The temple is gone. How can we rejoice? And what God was telling them was because of the Messiah's work, because of the fruit that the Messiah has brought to you, the fruit of salvation, the fruit, the fruit of God's forgiveness, reconciliation, the power of his resurrection. Yes, he was humiliated, but now he's exalted. So what, what do you do? You, you enter into the labor of the Messiah. And you enjoy his blessings. That's what's, go, what, that's what's going, going on here. The Messiah has won. The Messiah has turned sinners into worshipers. So now Zion has children. Zion now is with children, with worshipers. So it's time to rejoice. You remember when Ruth gave birth? What happened to Naomi? She rejoiced. She took the baby and she rejoiced in, uh, in, in, the gift, in, in God's gift, with, with God's gift. But she entered into the blessing of Ruth and they both rejoiced. The, that's the same picture. You, we enter into the Messiah's blessings and all the, uh, the fruit and, and the victory and work of redemption and the forgiveness of our sins that the Messiah brought. We enjoy them being in the Messiah. That's the fruit. Jesus in John 15, 4 said, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides on the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Do you want to bear fruit? Do you want to be delivered from your barrenness? Come to me. Abide in me. As branches. Then you will bear fruit. We bear fruit when we enter into the Messiah's labor. 
in Psalm 87, we have a wonderful uh, prophecy. Psalm 87. Oh, the holy mount stands the city he founded. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwelling places of Jacob. Glorious things of you are spoken, O city of God. Why? Among those who know me, I mention Rahab and Babylon. Behold, uh, Philistia and Tyre with Cush. This one was born there, they say. And of Zion it shall be said, This one and that one were born in here. For the Most High himself will establish her. Think about it. Put yourself in the temple. And you hear people in the temple singing. And, and they are saying, uh, among those who know me, I mention Rahab and Babylon. Behold, Philistia and Tyre with Cush. What would you say if you are in the temple and you hear people mentioning the Egyptians coming to God? People in Philistia coming to God, coming to the temple and worship God. And people from Cush, people from everywhere coming to the temple to worship God because of the labor of the Messiah. See the picture. People from everywhere being drawn to God through the labor of the Messiah. I'm sure those Israelites, they were saying, Rehab is another name for Egypt. And those Israelites in the temple, I'm sure they were saying, the Egyptians? The Babylonians? They don't even love our God. No, they are now transformed through the work of the Messiah. They are, not, they are now worshippers. They are now the children of Zion. And of Zion it shall be said, this one and that one were born in here. Why are you called an American? Because you were born in America. Why is a Babylonian a Babylonian? Because, you know, they, they were born in Babylon. But now this is spiritual birth. Now they are born in Zion. So they are the children of Zion. And that's what Jesus does. He brings the elect from every corner of the earth. And gather his elect to be perfected. By his grace, but also to worship him. Lastly, the enlarged tent. Verse 2 and 3. Enlarge the place of your tent and let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left, and your offspring will possess the nations and will people the desolate cities. Beloved, the, the Israelites, 
were the Israelites were anticipating exile. They were saying it is impossible for us to bear children. The temple is gone. Jerusalem is destroyed. Now God through Isaiah is telling them, no, no, I want you to enlarge your tent. Enlarge your tent. It is time for you to grow. It's time for you to welcome my children to God's house. They were speaking words of desperation. But God in verse 2 is telling them, no, 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 no. I want you to enlarge your tent. Enlarge your tent. Make it big. What a promise. What an encouragement to Christ or PC tonight. God is telling you through his word to enlarge your tent. To enlarge your tent. They were saying, no, we, we will never have many sons. And God was saying, no, 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 no. Enlarge your tent. Trust me. Enlarge your tent. I will bless you. Make the tent bigger. I don't know how many of you know the story of William Carey, a missionary to India. How many of you know that when he felt this burden call from God to go to India and serve God as a missionary, he trusted in Isaiah 54, verse 2. There was a meeting of Baptist Union in England when William Carey shared his burden with the Union. And one man stood up and he said to William Carey and to the whole assembly, William, if God has his elect in India, he will call his elect. You don't need to go to India. But William Carey went to India, the most darkest place in the world at the time. No gospel. No church. He believed in John 10, 16, and I have other sheep that are, that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice so there would be one flock, one shepherd. Do you know William Carey labored in India? At the time that his wife was mentally ill. 
at the time that he was losing children. Do you know for seven years there was no conversion, single conversion under his ministry. But he kept believing in this verse. He kept preaching, translating the Bible into the language of the local people. Look at India today. And just observe how many churches, Bible-believing churches, how many confessing Christians, how many Indian missionaries in Europe and America. Because he believed in this promise. Enlarge the place of your tent. Every time we think about church grows, every time we think about our smallness, we need to come back to this promise and come together as a congregation for corporate prayer and together pray to God to enlarge our tent. God has his own elect in Mariada. And God wants you to enlarge your tent, to trust in his promise. Take the gospel to your neighbors, to your co-workers. Trusting in this promise that God has given you individually, but also as a church, enlarge your tent. It was William Carey who said, and I quote, Know the scriptures well and recognize the brilliance and importance of Isaiah's redemptive historical vision. The victory of the suffering servant will result not only rejoicing, but also blessing the blessings of the Messiah. The blessing of the Messiah. Beloved, let me ask you this. Do you believe in this promise? Do you believe that this promise belongs to you as a congregation? You are also encouraged by your God to enlarge your tent by faith and through prayer, through the preaching of the gospel, through going to places where darkness is, and by God's grace, point people to the Messiah, to Christ. The Messiah has accomplished work of redemption. Now it's time for you and I to join him to enjoy the blessings of the Messiah. 
by enlarging our tent. By God's grace. Amen. Let's pray. Our gracious and heavenly Father, thank you for the promise of the gospel. This wonderful promise through which you call us as your people to enlarge our tent by faith and through prayer so that many would come to the saving knowledge of your son, Jesus Christ. Oh Lord, tonight we pray that as we here in this place, in this congregation, enlarge our tent, you would bless our faith. You would bless our confidence in you, our God, to enlarge our tent and receive many of your children through faith and repentance. To that end, O oh Lord, we pray that you would bless the labors of the pastor, the evangelist, the elders, and each member of this congregation, you would bless their labors toward enlarging the tent of this church so that they would grow not only in godliness and spiritual maturity, but also in number. We pray all these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.